Hey guys, and welcome to episode six of the Sailor Moon News Roundup podcast. So it's been a crazy week with some really big Sailor Moon news. So I'm not going to cover kind of the small things that happens, like random, like a Sailor Moon Cup got released in Japan. But I'm going to talk about some of the big stuff that happened. And uh, the big thing that was announced this week, basically in Japan now, they're going to release a HD remastered version of the 90s Sailor Moon anime on TV in Japan. And this is um, just a few months, or two, one, two months after we got the um, Blu-ray release from Viz Media in the US. They were told that there was no Japanese masters, HD masters for this old anime series. So they basically got the, um, the DVD masters and upscaled it to like a um, 1080p image for their Blu-ray release. Pretty controversial, um, everyone's kind of um, got their different opinions on what they think of the Im- video quality. Um, most video files are pretty disappointed with it, not liking um, the Viz Media release at all. And um, Viz's defense is very much just like, oh, this is what we were given. So I wrote a review on their release. Um, I've got the DVD review up on um, about.com, which is um, where I cover anime news. So I review the DVD there. I'll be doing the Blu-ray uh, review for moonkitty.net um, any day now. So um, hopefully when you listen to this, it'll be up, if not any day soon. Yeah, anyway, so Viz released their version of the um, Sailor Moon anime on DVD and Blu-ray. And now, yeah, a month later, well, I'm assuming it's a few months after the actual negotiations. Um, it is actually it's about half a year since the negotiations. Yeah, Toei's just like, oh, now we're releasing our own HD version of Sailor Moon in Japan on TV. Yeah, it's pretty definite that they are going to be releasing a Blu-ray in Japan now of the 90s anime from a direct HD, like 1080p image source. Um, which is a bit disappointing because now we know that for the Western release of Sailor Moon on Blu-ray, we're not getting the best image quality possible. So very disappointing, very, um, I think, rage-inducing. I think everyone at Viz Media is probably feeling very frustrated right now. From a marketing standpoint, it's going to be very hard to sell um, further volumes of their release of Sailor Moon on Blu-ray, especially after people weren't really happy with their first release anyway. But now everyone's aware that there is a superior version out there, even though this one probably won't have English subtitles in Japan. They'll probably just have the Japanese audio, pretty bare bones. Yeah, it's um, going to make it a lot harder for them to sell their release. And um, yeah, so pretty big news. So of course, if you are going to get those um, Japanese Blu-rays, which haven't been announced yet, but they are, I'm sure they'll come by the end of 2015, um, they are the same um, Blu-ray zone as America. So if you listen to this and you have like the American Blu-ray zone, don't worry, you can actually play Japanese Blu-rays on whatever American Blu-ray device you have. It'll be different for um, us Australians, of course, which have a different zone. I have an American Xbox One, so I can watch my Japanese and American Blu-rays on that. And um, I think other Australians will probably be doing the same if they have a zone-free or region-free Blu-ray player. You can probably do the same there. Yeah, that's pretty crazy news. Other big news is um, a uh, crapload of Sailor Moon models and figures have been announced <laughs> from Japan today, just a few hours ago. We have now um, three Sailor Moon Crystal uh, Zero figure arts confirmed. We've got like Moon and Mercury, which had um, already been previewed previously. And um, now we have Sailor Mars, and she's got a very... Um, cheeky pose, which is kind of, I think she's like putting a finger on her mouth and like winking, which is um, kind of cool. We also have the regular figure out size figures. We've got the Sailor V one, which has been confirmed and previewed. And we also have a Zoisite Sailor Moon from that one episode in the first season of the anime where Zoisite dresses up as Sailor Moon. So they're having a figure of that, which is um, bizarre, but also very cool at the same time. we got Super Sailor Moon in her third season super form, which I think is slightly different than the fourth season one. So that's coming out too. And we also have, what else was there? Sailor Pluto. Yeah, Sailor Pluto's figure is finally getting released as well. And um, because everyone's been bitching about her not having a figure for so long, um, you guys better go out there and buy it. Otherwise, um, yeah, I'm calling you on your uh, complaining. And um, yeah, so those are the two big Sailor Moon users for this Sailor Moon users. 
Yeah, two big settlement news stories uh, for this week. Um, pretty, pretty big. Um, there are a few other small things, like a few random merchandise things. You can find all of those um, in my Twitter feed and stuff like that. Nothing really um, too exciting, but those two news stories kind of blew everything else out of the water. So that's what I'm going to talk about on this podcast. So obviously the other thing to talk about is Act 15 of Sailor Moon Crystal, which just aired last night, and it kind of kicked off, fully kicked off the second season of the Sailor Moon anime. I think technically the... Um, Last week's Act 14 was the first episode of the second season, but this episode had new opening credits, and yeah, new opening credits, there's like a few scenes have been touched up and re-edited, and there are a few small minor visual changes that a lot of people didn't pick up on, like new clothes in a few scenes as well, like the Umbrella Park scene in the opening credits. Um, very, very cool. I actually clapped after it finished, because it was just exciting to see Sailor Pluto in the opening credits. Uh, Chibiusa Irini, um, you know, she's there, she's cool. She's a lot cuter in this than the old anime, for sure. But yeah, Selling Pluto was just like, oh, that's exciting. You know, we're going to see the, um, the outers and the other characters uh, in this version of Sailor Moon, which is exciting. The other big surprise was the animation didn't suck, because um, I think those of you who've been uh, watching it since the beginning, the Sailor Moon Crystal's gone basically in a pattern of good episode, bad episode, good episode, bad episode. And then towards the end of the first season, we've got like just a few pretty bad ones in a row. So um, after last week's episode was pretty good visually, um, a lot of us expected this week's one would be um, pretty underwhelming, but it was pretty good. There were a few obvious scenes, of course, which were um, just not animated, like it looked good as stills, but there wasn't actually any movement happening. You know, that's the Salem and Crystal in general. Yeah, pretty good looking episode, and the preview for next week's episode, uh, oh, sorry, next, the next episode in um, two weeks, uh, yeah, Act 16, um, looks pretty good too. So maybe they have stepped up the funding on this production. Since um, they've announced they're going to be airing Salomon Crystal on TV in Japan sometime this year. So that's um, pretty exciting. Um, if they can keep this quality up, it's still not the best quality anime on the shelves by far. It's nowhere near the best. But it's right now it's a lot better than it was last season, so about a month or so ago, which was pretty poor. So visually pretty, pretty exciting. Um, Everything else in the episode was I was really, really happy with. We got, um, of course, the um, the Black Moon or Nega Moon or all the different variations of the names. I think this group of villains has the most different variations of their names out of all the Sailor Moon characters from the different language versions. It's ridiculous. We've got the, the Spectre Sisters, the Wicker Sisters, the Twisted Sisters, um, whatever you call them. They rocked up. One of them died straight away, which um, anyone, of course, who'd read the manga knew was going to happen. But I think a lot of... Um, fans who hadn't read the manga yet, and I don't know why you haven't read it yet. If you haven't read the Sailor Moon manga, um, you're about 20 years behind, so you should get on that. But yeah, so it was kind of um, cool to see that the pace is still going to be as fast as we'd expected. They're not really going to slow it down too much. It still would be good to have a few filler episodes. What was kind of nice was this episode kind of was a filler episode with kind of Sailor Mars, and then it progressed the plot as well. And I think a lot of the manga in general does that from this point onwards, where the storytelling gets a lot more balanced and character-driven, as opposed to the first story arc, which um, Naoko was very young when she did that. I think she was like 18 or 19 years old when she did that. Naturally, she just, you know, improves with each story arc as it goes on. So it's very exciting to see what happens with Salem and Crystal now. Yeah, what I really liked was we finally got um, Burning Mandala, or Celestial Fire Surround, um, which is my favorite attack, I think, in the whole series, just because visually it's just um, the most unique and different, I guess, and it has the whole Japanese culture element in there as well. I like what they did with it. It was very, very cool. And I'm hoping they use it a bit more, actually. And uh, Mercury got a new attack as well. I think it was Shine Aqua Illusion, um, going from memory. And that was great to see. 
Um, overall, very, very strong episode. And um, yeah, really looking forward to seeing how it goes now. goes on. It's actually, I'm pretty excited about it now. I'm not sure why. The last episode didn't get me too excited about the series, but after watching this one, I really can't wait for the next episode. Now on to Facebook questions. So the first question is from Faiza Zaman, and she asks me, how do you feel about the edits of cultural references in the original and uh, English dubbed versions, example, explanations of race, spiritual powers, or different phrases throughout the series? Um, honestly, I'm not sure there was any edits with race, spiritual powers. I think it was pretty much the same as the original Japanese, as far as I can remember. Um, yeah, it was just like extra, you know, they didn't say it was like, you know, brought on by her faith in the Christian religion and Jesus Christ or anything. Like, it was very much just like her extrasensory powers. Um, yeah, and I guess eventually it was like, I think all versions is connected to her actually being Sailor Mars, in a sense. Um, so, yeah, not sure what you mean about there exactly. In general, with um, any editing or um, adaptions through the English language version or any other versions of Sailor Moon, in really, um, honestly, it never bothers me at all. I think a big part when you're adapting an anime series or anything for another language and culture, you want to make sure the audience gets the exact same experience as the original audience did. And when Japanese kids or Japanese people in general are watching Sailor Moon, uh, everything that happens on there is very much, um, doesn't need any explanation. It's all normal for them. But if you're um, going to keep a lot of those, I think, I guess Japanese references and stuff, I guess the rice balls are a good example. If you have like all these school kids eating rice balls, it's going to be um, something that kids think of or they become aware of when they're watching it um, outside Japan, because um, it's not really something that people eat for lunch at school um, in America, Australia, New Zealand, um, in uh, most non-Asian countries. So even though um, they made them donuts, and obviously weren't donuts in the series, um, not an issue for me, because um, even the name changes, name changes are never really an issue for me. I don't, I don't know, I, even, I don't know, my friends, my Japanese friends in Tokyo, like anytime we talk about any anime changes, I think it's quite strange when series are released outside Japan and they keep the Japanese names, actually. I oh, know, having said that, like, as long as the characters are the same and the story is the same, yeah, I don't really have a problem with it at all. Even, even, um, Uranus and Neptune, for example, like, they made them cousins. Well, for one, the way it was done was done in a very tongue-in-cheek way, where almost like calling each other cuz was kind of, I guess, slang for, hey, my lesbian lover kind of thing. And they only really called them cousins on the scenes where it was, like, really, really required in case any parents walked in the room and realized they were lesbians on TV. There are quite a few episodes where um, you can just watch it and they're just a lesbian couple. Um, yeah, but having said that, like, I'm, I'm a out gay man, and I'm honestly not that outraged they changed it um, for the English version with Uranus and Neptune at all. Um, it doesn't bother me at all, because they're not defined by their sexuality. No one should be defined by their sexuality. They're still, um, their character personalities weren't changed at all. They're still heroic, brave, they still loved each other. Um, it wasn't sexual love, I guess, in the official English version. Yeah, the characters didn't really suffer. Same with like Negaverse, Dark Kingdom, I, the names don't bother me at all. Does the story change because the names are different? Not at all. Um, yeah, I've got a pretty zen approach when it comes to adaptions. But yeah, for those who are wondering, I, I have seen um, all the English version, I've seen all the Japanese version. I, my first time watching Sailor Stars was in Cantonese, not understanding a word of it, of course, because there were no subtitles on the VCDs I bought in Chinatown, but I just wanted to see Sailor Stars. Yeah, I, I find it interesting, and I think it's a healthy attitude to have when you watch adaptions or adaptations of um, different manga or anime or even movies in general. It's um, gives you something interesting to talk about and just say, oh, like in this 
country, like, um, this character is called this, and in this country, that character is called that. Isn't that interesting? Rather than getting all angry and outraged and furious about the smallest things being changed when it's really not an issue at all. And I, even, I don't even think the creators on the other side of the ocean really care that much either, to be honest. But yeah, I know, I'm, I'm pretty open. Of course, um, Sailor Moon Serena, Usagi, Bunny, all of them, I think, um, actually pretty good. They all keep the moon connection. The Serena itself comes from Serenity, which was the princess or the goddess of the moon. Yeah, so I'm pretty sure about all the changes. And I'm going to be rambling. But yeah, so don't stress. Embrace. Yeah, that's my take on it. So the next question, and the last one, only two this week, is from Sailor Samara. She asks me, uh, who's my favorite Sailor Guardian and why? And who's your favorite character who's non-Guardian and why? So that's a really, uh, always a tough question, because we have different groups of Sailor Guardians, and um, I think overall I always go back and forth between... Cosmos was my favorite for a while, but now I'm always kind of going back and forth between Sailor Venus and Sailor Mars. I'm probably going to go with Sailor Mars right now, at this point in time, just because um, her personality is cool um, in the old anime, of course, and you know, especially the English version as well. I thought she was really, really cool always. She has her own thing going on. She has her own guardian animals. She has her own supporting cast, which is quite big. She's got, like, um, Grandpa. She's got Chad. She's got the whole, like, temple. Like, um, if she was an action figure, and I guess she is an action figure, she would have the, her whole playset. Where a lot of the other characters, like um, Jupiter and Mercury, they don't really have anything else going on, really. Sailor Mars could carry her own series. Like, she's, I don't know, she's got a very interesting character. And I like her super sensory powers, and I like her fire powers. Like, all of her attacks are pretty awesome. So... I'll go with Sailor Mars right now. My favorite non-Sailor Guardian character, um, it used to be Artemis, because um, as some of you might know, I actually started Moonkitty.net as an Artemis shrine way back in like 1999. And um, it's called Artemis, the myth, the legend, the hero, I think. And um, then it evolved into Moonkitty.net, which is why it's called Moonkitty, because it used to be a, um, a shrine based on one of the kitties from Sailor Moon. But I always thought he was cool, because he had a lot more story than the other characters, too. And he wasn't really, like, he never really got the credit he deserved in the, um, the 90s anime. Like, he had this big history with Sailor Venus, Sailor V. He could transform into his human form, but nothing was really, really followed through quite, um, well in the, um, the old anime, or even the manga. So I'm actually hoping in Sailor and Crystal they expand on his role a bit more, hopefully. But I've always liked his character. Another one was, um, Kaito Ace. Um, which is kind of Sailor V's tuxedo mask, but a much more tragic character. I always thought he was interesting, though I do wonder if I just like him because you see so little of him. Kind of like the Boba Fett thing in Star Wars, where everyone really likes Boba Fett and thinks he's awesome, but if you give him a whole movie, um, I think people would realize how what a boring character he is. Yeah, I guess um, actually Anne and Alan as well, so the, Do the Doom Tree um, characters. Actually, I'll go with them right now. My favorite non-Sailor Guardian characters are Alan and Anne from the Doom Tree. Because I thought they were cool. They were like two school students, or they pretended to be, um, in the school. And none of the other villains really did that in the anime. Um, I think, what was her name? Uh, Tin Cat? What, um, Sailor Star? She was in the school for like an episode. But yeah, Anne and Alan had a lot more personality, a lot, an interesting dynamic with their brother and sister. No, they were lovers, but they were pretending to be brother and sister. So there was um, a lot of humorous uh, hijinks there. But great character designs too, and I really want an action figure of both of them um, in the figure arts line. Fingers crossed. But that's about it. So very, very fast episode. Um, I'm trying to make all of these episodes very, very fast because I wanted this podcast to be kind of like a super 
boom um, of super fast Sailor Moon news. I'm not like a full conversational podcast. But um, I don't know, this might evolve and I might get a few more guest speakers on. If you would like other people on this podcast, please let me know. Or if you prefer it just to be like very, very fast, my opinions on Sailor Moon Crystal and a few news stories, um, let me know that too. Thanks for listening, guys. And uh, make sure if you have the time, go to iTunes and leave me a review and a star rating because that helps it rank higher in the ratings. And check out www.moonkitty.net and all my different social media accounts every single day, sometimes on an hourly basis. I'm posting Sailor Moon news and Sailor Moon merchandise of the day, links and images and things like that. Yeah, it's a great way to stay in touch with me too. So feel free to say hi and say you listen to the podcast and I will say hi back. And thank you for listening. And um, yeah, that's about it, guys. So I'll see you online and I'll see you in the next episode. Bye. Sailor Moon says.